You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I love this enlarge. Sometimes it's hard for Christians to even say that. Why put it on your bathroom mirror and look at it. Enlarge. We are all called to do bigger things. You know, it's amazing. I just had this. No one wants to argue with me in person, but boy, they are so brave on Instagram. <laughs> this guy piping off. I'm like, bro, do I even know you? Please come to my church so I could see you face to face. Because I was like, don't tell me you're like Jesus because you're broke. He had a fine robe that people were gambling over at the cross, made out of the finest. He brought people to his home. That means he had to own one. You got to get out of your mom's basement and be a man and come to church and talk to me. <laughs> Drove me crazy. That was this morning at 5 a.m. And then I looked, and I noticed he wasn't up at 5 a.m. That was 2 a.m. that he sent me that. I'm sure he didn't get up that early. He was just staying up that late. But So when I pray for us, I'm pretty much praying for myself this morning. So <laughs> come on. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Uh, for your word today. God, I thank you that your, your word lifts our hearts. It elevates us to walk into what you've called us to walk in. God, I thank you that each and every person in this building has an assignment for their life. God, that you will reveal that assignment. God, I thank you that healing is going to take place today. God, I thank you that hearts will be healed, souls will be healed, minds will be set free, God, thank you that you're enlarging our territory of influence. That God, that you will put us in places and positions of influence. God, I thank you, Lord. Let the word of God saturate every cell. Let it get on the inside of us. Not that we know it, that we live it. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love that this is Vision Builder Sunday. Usually I'm like, I'm bringing some vision. We're going to drink out of a fire hose today. Uh, but that's not what happened. Yeah, this week I got kicked in inappropriate places spiritually, and uh, I just took some hits. You know, I had someone that I really look up to, a mentor of the faith, uh, Pastor Rob Carmen, passed away. It was just a blow, and and uh, but it, it was good because you know when life's going good all the time, you you know you, your mind gets a little, I would say, gets a little laxed. But when something happens that causes a little wind to get knocked out of your sails, I, get to, I got to think about hmm, some of my thoughts. And some thoughts came up, and you know, I got to process and thank God for a good pastor. I mean, grateful for our pastor, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. And, and I got to talk to him, and it was, it was really encouraging. And I just went back and downloaded some of those um, Pastor Rob Carmen when he came to our church messages. And it just immediately infused hope on the inside of me. And, uh, and then what happened, I realized, man, why, why was he such a big thing? Like, why, why, why is this such a hard hit? You know what it was is he actually came and there was an impartation that he brought to our church, especially men's conference. I saw a shift in our men. One man spoke and an impartation to men in this house shifted. I watched men's prayer go up. I watched kind of like the lions get unleashed in this house. You know, it doesn't matter how many pictures of lions I post unless there's a roar behind it. And I'm telling you, I think it was Pastor Rob Carmen. He brought that roar, and it's never left. And so, you know, I got to really reflect on what really the impact he had on my life. 
And then on Thursday, you know, someone dear to our hearts, and many of you know her, Adriana passed away in this house, and um, it was on Thursday night, and we were at dinner, and, and uh, you know, I got the call that this was going down, and, and we jammed over there, and my wife just, because she's had, she grew up Catholic, and she hasn't had good experiences with people passing away, so she's like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, baby, you stay in the car, and I prayed myself up, and I was going to walk in, and we were going to, we're going to bring fire down from heaven. But when I walked in, something radical happened. I walked in to open the door, and I felt more joy in that house than I've experienced in a long time, especially it was the day after this situation I had where I had to shift how I thought, and I had to, like, really go after and pull hope out of heaven. I walked in this circumstance, but I was infused with hope. I saw people praying. I saw joy. I saw this. I... I met this um, hospice nurse, and she was staying with me for 10 years. You know, she's been doing this, and she can tell when she walks into a real believer's house because of the joy and the peace and the hope, and you could see it on her face, and it was, there was beautiful, and there were some people there, a lot of people from our church, and I love that I snapped a picture of who was in that room because they were bringing down fire. Like, they were going after, like, this girl's kid, we're raising her up. And I love that Pentecost Sunday. If I get to preach on anything, let's get some fire from heaven that has the power to raise them up. And I snapped a little picture and I sent it to my wife. And I said, baby, this room's on fire. Can you write down every name in this room? She goes, is this a joke? Why? And I said, because if anything ever happens to me, this is who I want coming. <laughs> you know, but one of the ladies, literally, she, she just stopped. And, and another, it confirmed a word that happened earlier. One of our really prophetic voices in the house, she said, I saw her running to her papa. But at the time, she thought physical papa when she was seven years old and just wouldn't let go. And then another one later on said, she's not coming back. She's choosing Jesus. See, it's a choice. I've read up on so many because I want to see it. You know, when I came to this church, and I'll explain Pentecost Sunday real quick for you, but... You know, Pentecost Sunday, which is today, is 50 days after Easter. So Jesus rose from the dead. Kind of how many know that wigged out a lot of people? Like literally, he was walking around for 40 days. He did 40 days worth of personal coaching, which I highly recommend. I mean, I'd be like, this week, I was like, Jesus, I need personal encounters. I need some personal coaching this week. And uh, he delivers still today. But he was walking around with his disciples, encouraging them because they folded like a deck chair on Friday. But Sunday, how many know that they were walking around going, oh, you know, doubting Thomas before, you know, when he was crucified. When Jesus showed him the holes in his hands, guess how many know? He wouldn't doubt no more. He was probably the most on-fire disciple that started raging the gospel throughout more continents, getting more people saved than any other disciple. You couldn't hold him back. So he went from this doubting Thomas to a man on a mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what one encounter post-resurrection did. Okay, some of you. Okay, that's okay. So then what happened was on the 50, Jesus said, all right, I got to go, but you guys wait. So, by the way, just look at everybody and say, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, come on. This is Awakened Church crowd participation up in this place, all right? I got it from the confession. We'll get into it. That's all right. Will happen. I know. I know. Yeah, maybe I should tell that story, but I will in a minute. But I, I'm going to tell you that this isn't Baptist or Pentecostal church for a reason. Pentecost uh, is when the Holy Spirit showed up in the upper room and 120 people, boom, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go, but 
I'm going to send a helpmate to help you, and you will receive power. That's when a lot of things got restored, and that's when the birthday of the church, happy birthday, the church was born on this Sunday, however many years ago, but it's one of the most powerful things. I didn't know that. I grew up in church, and it was like, oh, Pentecost Sunday, move right along, had no meaning, but understand that Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit came, and I wouldn't do church without the Holy Spirit. So... I did it 30 years without one. I ain't going back to that church. So my whole point is there were some believers were in that room that weren't letting go. They were going after it. See, when you want to start having your theology messed up, come to a men's prayer meeting. Go to a women's prayer meeting. They had 126 women this week. That is amazing. You ladies are on fire. But really what I'm preaching on today isn't Pentecost Sunday. It's my title of my message is Hope Inoculation. It's the only one I think you need, but that's my opinion. But Hope Inoculation. Not fear, but hope. See, hope is something that sees the invisible. Hope feels the intangible, and hope can achieve the impossible. Put a little H in front of that. It's impossible. See, there's too much fear going around right now. There's too much doubt that is talked about all the time. The word impossible slung around like from people that don't even want to try to do something. So it's frustrating when I hear all the people that say, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. See, I may have been one of them until I came to this house. When I saw my first deliverance, I remember saying, that's impossible. That's a woman talking like a man with no hormone therapy, okay? I'm talking eyes rolling back. There was something demonic, and when they got delivered, they became the sweetest person I've ever met. How did that happen? That messed up my Westmont theology. That messed up some Bible college that no one told me about. But then when I've seen deliverance over and over and over again on a healthy way, how many know I'm not going back the other side? Matter of fact, when someone starts, you know, getting a little too shaky during worship. Oh. Security, deliverance team, guy in the red shirt on the left. Not you. But it's true. You got to listen to me. Everything is impossible until somebody does it. That's, that's what we got to understand. Thank God for the Wright brothers. That's why we're flying, people, if you didn't know that. Thank goodness every time I Venmo somebody, I thank Elon Musk. There's a lot of things that I once thought were impossible. It's amazing what your smartphone can do. Right now, it's tracking all of us. How crazy is that? <laughs> but I think it's SpaceX. I think yesterday I saw, you know, Richard Branson celebrating his Virgin Atlantic going up with people on it. Who would have ever thought in our lifetime? I look at all the things that are going on. I thank God for Tesla. What was once impossible, my wife can eat a burrito and do her makeup and drive the church. <laughs> Probably safer than if she was driving. <laughs> Baby, I know you're going to listen to this, and I think you're an amazing driver, and I want to tell you how much I love you. Listen, these were a lot of impossible things. Thank goodness for people like Henry Ford. We are all in a better place. They were trying to think how to get their wheels better for the chariots and, you know, the carts and how to give like a protein bar to the horse. And maybe if they had a pre-workout, they were going to give the horse. And then he came out with the car with horsepower. 
what was impossible became possible because someone was willing to hope for something bigger. So we got to understand. Let me give you a Bible illustration. All right, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about it because I think what you got to understand is that in the Word of God, there's people that were discouraged all the time. See, earlier in the week, I was discouraged, but I ran to hope. I knew where my source came from. I tapped into horse. See, we got a lot of dead people. It's almost like you don't take a dead battery and try to jump another dead battery. But yet we'll hang out with people that are dead spiritually and wonder why our hope is waning. There is an enemy that comes to steal your hope all the time. The Bible talks about it, warns about it. Everything comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he just starts with hope. If he get you to lower your dream bar, then he's already won. If we can be discouraged and stay discouraged. I mean, this is sometimes they go like, oh, Dr. Matt, you're so positive all the time. But yeah, but pastors, it has nothing to do with it. I want to read this that I saw this morning that I thought was powerful. Mike Maiden said this, and he's one of the rise of the prophets. So I want to tell you a thing. This is a pastor that's walked in. He's had a prophetic voice for this generation like you've never seen. He's raised up some of the greatest worship leaders in the church you've ever seen. He prophesied like a boss. He's been to our church. He has read people's mail. I've sat on the front row. I'm like, he doesn't even know that person, and he just gave. It is unbelievable, but he's tapped in. He's coming to our Awaken conference. You don't want to miss it, but this is what he posted this morning. I didn't call him and say, hey, I'm preaching a message. Can you give me a little tagline? I just woke up early prepping, reading through my message, and then I saw this. It said, 25 years ago, I experienced a severe, life-threatening clinical depression. The primary causation for my depression was I had lost all hope. We went through a horrific, long-lasting, perfect storm that was so bad, I simply couldn't imagine how God could ever work it together for good, in quotes. But I was wrong, and he did. God will use every part of your story, even the most hurtful and difficult parts. Nothing you've been through will be in vain. It's your season for restoration when God makes all things work together for your good. That was his post. In Genesis 12, there's a whole story on Abraham. And it talks about he was 100 years old. And even that is like, he was actually out complaining. And God says, get out of your tent. Look up. He had to get him out of his atmosphere that he was in. He had to get him out of his funk. He had to get him into a new atmosphere. He had to get him to look up, not at the circumstance, not down, not at his 90-year-old wife. <laughs> Pre-Viagra, I might say. But that's a real thing. You imagine, okay, okay. You guys are all fun and games. This isn't a made-up story. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Let me tell you. People are turning to that stuff in their 40s. Abraham was 100, looking at his nine-year-old bride. And God's saying, I'm going to give you a kid. <laughs> Hence, they named their kid Laughter. Because somebody had to laugh about it. Listen, okay, we need some help in here. Okay, like a week, you know, like right after Easter, this uh, Baptist deacon... You know, I told it at the last service. I might as well tell it here. I wasn't going to, but 
we need to help each other. This deacon came in, Baptist deacon, and he said, oh, man, black guy, little beat up, definitely need an adjustment. I'm like, oh, man, what happened to you? And he goes, you won't believe it. I went to our Christmas party at work. I don't really drink, but I had some wine. It was really good, so I just kept going. Never happened before, but it was a rough night. I was like, oh, dear Lord, I've never... Let me hear this, a Baptist party that got crazy. I've never seen that. <laughs> so he said, yeah. Um, so I woke up the next morning. I walked in the bathroom. I had a black guy, and I said, oh, no. And then I went, and I saw a note from my wife next to the bed. He looked down. There was a cup of coffee, and it says, hey, baby, I just want to let you know. I went to the store to get dinner. I'm going to make some fillets tonight. It's going to be amazing. By the way, your breakfast is downstairs. It's eggs with some toast uh, with your favorite bacon non-GMO, no nitrates. You're going to love it. And he's like, what is going on? His son walked in and goes, dad, last night you were out of hand. He goes, what happened? I don't remember a thing. He goes, well, mom had to help you and got me and we had to help you. You fell flat face first on the coffee table, hence the black guy. You destroyed it. We then had to carry you upstairs. You were yelling. You had a massive migraine, so we had to give you two Tylenol just to calm you down. And then mom was trying to take your pants off to get you ready for bed, and you started screaming, stop, stop, I'm married, I'm happily married. I love my wife. <laughs> and the son went on to say, Dad, the coffee table, 1500 bucks. The two aspirin, 35 cents. Saying the right thing when it mattered, priceless. <laughs> yep. Rule number 10, have fun in church. All right? This is a Buzzkill Church. Permission to laugh. We need to. We got to stop taking ourselves so dang serious, kind of like Abraham. But I just want to tell you, that goes on to talk about it. See, Sarah couldn't have, that womb was dead. But Jesus took this, well, God took this impossible situation and brought life to that womb. Not only in that, that's where a lot of people stop, but I want to tell you the significance of the power of what happened. When he brought him out and instilled hope, he infused hope in Abraham to look up and see what God was going to do. So much so, you know, that he... He had already gone out because the wife said, sorry, I can't give you what you need. Go with the Egyptian housewife. Already had a son. That God said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Don't trust in what the world says. Don't trust in what someone else says. Trust in what I say. You're going to have your own the way I say. And not only did he do that and he gave, they, Sarah gave birth, you got to understand something more radical. There was so much obedience. He was willing to go up on the mountain to sacrifice his son. Not one of his sons, his, the son. And he got up early. And the Bible goes on to explain it that because of his obedience, he got up early and God saw his heart. But that's not where it stops, the miracle. This is how big hope is in your life. There is a ripple effect to every time you choose hope. I want to read this to you because it goes on. We're thinking a dead womb, but out of Isaac fall the lineage. Out of Isaac came Jacob. Out of Jacob had 12 sons. Of those 12 sons produced 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes became the nation of Israel. 
See, May 14th was Independence Day of Israel. May 14th, 1948, we are living in the most exciting times that we are living in a prophetic word from the Old Testament that it would say all the Jews from around the nation would come together and gather in there, in, in the land that I gave them. That's Israel today. And we're living in that, that Old Testament is being lived out right now as all the Jews from around the world got their independence on May 14th, in 1948, and we should not forget that this, this is, we are living in revelation time. Revelation is being laid out before our eyes right now. It goes on to talk about chaos, and when the world gets chaotic, you better start listening. You better start leaning. You better start telling your neighbors, we are living. I'm not going to go say end times because no one knows the day, but we're living in revelation times. And if you've never read the book of Revelation, I would start today. He's putting, you know, faith to work while we're living it in this generation. So I want to tell you, hope is putting faith to work when doubting is easier. Hope plus work, which is faith, equals possible. And there was a ripple effect when Abraham found hope, not just for his immediate family, but for the entire nation of Israel got put into motion because he said, all right, God, I'll stop feeling sorry for myself. I'll get out of my tent. I will look up and I will choose to believe, even though I don't see a way, even I don't know how it's possible. I will look up and see all those stars in the sky. And I guess I will just choose to put an amen to what you're telling me. And he did. How many of us need to put an amen to what God has been trying to tell us? Only some of you. Listen, that means if you're hoping in God, you're not going to be ashamed of the outcome. We have a nation that hasn't been hoping in God. We've been hoping in doctors. We've been hoping in CNN. We've been hoping on this report, which changes tomorrow. We've been hoping in this vaccine, which changes tomorrow. We all, oh, we need two of them now. Oh, we need a booster in six months. Oh, we need the, what, who is our God? What are we putting our hope in? I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying... A lot of people are like, awaken, you guys have lost your mind. Well, good. Because I'm putting all my money on hope. You know, I have changed it. Uh, you guys, just to, just to know, I used to say my brother made this statement. He's in the Navy, three bronze stars. He's about to be a rear admiral. And I'm um, flying out to see him get penned. But it's been amazing to watch his career. And he said something early on. I said, man, I, he was going on a three-month tour. Couldn't tell anybody what he's doing. He said, I said, oh, man. Hope, uh, you know, I hope you're, hope you're safe, man. And he goes, hope's a horrible strategy. I will be safe. And it just rattled me. And I was like, oh, but the Bible talks so much about hope. And I've always just started defaulting that way. Just like, oh, man, I'm not going to let anybody say, oh, I hope it goes well. Oh, I hope it goes well. Oh, I hope it goes well. To me, it was so weak sauce. And then when I heard my brother say, yep, I don't hope I come back. I know I, I come back. This mission's going to be fine. I didn't understand at the time, but the Holy Spirit is saying he's putting his faith in a different. The world is just hoping like luck. They hope. Let me get a rabbit's foot. Didn't work out well for the rabbit, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but my brother had a certainty because of his faith in Jesus. That's what he was attaching his hope to. I didn't understand it. But biblical hope is what we're talking about. It's way more fierce than what the world can offer hope to be. And we have to keep running towards hope. So point number one, I'll just give you all three up front and we'll work this thing out, is think hope. We have to think hope. 
60,000 thoughts a day is what we're having. 93% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Read anything on quantum physics. Joe Dispenza, Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. You go on to Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, studying epigenetics and quantum physics, and she puts scripture and science and melds them together. She's just preaching the gospel and having science back it up. It's amazing when the world is kind of sharing the same science, but they have nothing to make it up. They think they're finding something new. No, it's all in the word of God. But what, what Jesus is saying, what God has said is, that's why I'm telling you, you better take every thought captive. Because if you don't, that 7% of new thoughts, you're going to turn on the television and just be saying whatever they say. So you're going to have 93% of your thoughts that you had yesterday, that you had the day before. that you had. And if you only get 7% new thoughts today, who's influencing you? What you listen to matters, who you let in your world matters, hanging out with who you, it, it, it matters. So people that are leaking hope, where are you getting plugged back into? You would have told me, I would have said, yeah, you are crazy if you would have said I'd go to church twice on a Sunday. You would have told me crazy if you would have said I'd go to a midweek service if I'd get up at 5 a.m. and go to men's prayer. You would tell me crazy if I, you would have told me all that years ago. There's no way that I would be saying, oh, yeah, I saw you in the future. You'll be preaching the gospel. You'll be going to men's prayer early. You love going to church. You love worship. I'd be like, bro, <laughs> I respect you, but you got the wrong person. I love what I do. No, no, no. God knew what he was doing. Hope injections. Think hope. Be hope. Deal hope. You got to think it, you got to be it, you got to deal it. There's a world out there that needs what you got. I promise you made it here. There was many people that woke up this morning that were hoping to make it to church. Got in a fight with their spouse. Their car didn't stop. There, there, there was a flat tire on the way. I'm going to tell you, you got to figure it out. The day before a merge, I had my manager just bail at me at one of my restaurants. <laughs> my team, you couldn't even get through. Poor people were stressed out. I think there was two. One of them works here at the church. I can't believe he didn't quit. I'm going to tell you, like he had to put with 40-minute customers yelling at him, no one there to guide him, no phones weren't working. AT&T says, we've never seen anything like that happen. But when someone called me, they go, my wife's like, are you going to go up there and run the restaurant? I said, no, I'm going to emerge. This is the devil trying to intimidate me. I know that means I'm going to get something even bigger while I'm going to emerge. Then it was, it was crazy because hope is the companion of power and the mother of success. Then my wife got a flat tire. And then the next day, I blew my truck tire. Never happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy's working overtime. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my hope. I got around the right people at the right time to have the right team to take care of the right business so I can still do what I do. Don't let the devil take you out. You got to understand there's more hope for a confessed sinner than there is a conceited saint. The enemy's going to use pride. Don't tell anyone you got going on. Pretend everything's chill. Maybe show up here and there. Put on the good Christianese face. Pretend like you got hope. No, no, no. Don't pretend. Tap into the real thing. I'm telling you. Do you have hope for the future? Do you have hope for your children? Do you have hope for your marriage? Do you have hope for your health? Do you have hope for your business problem that you're maybe in the middle of? Do you have hope for the future of America? Listen, I want to tell you something. There is a moment 
I decided, I'm like, whoa, things are getting shaky in California. I went and got licensed in Arizona. I got licensed in Texas. I got licensed in Idaho. And then the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm using wisdom. No, no, no. I've called you to stay right where you're at because you're going to bring hope to a city, which is going to hope to a church, which is going to change a nation, and it's going to change a state. So I'm telling you, real conversations. People are not limited by the place of their birth. They're not limited by their color of their skin. People are limited by the size of their hope. Small hope, they're going to live a limited life. Big hope, our job right here, every one of us, we are an influence maybe over our family. Maybe it starts with your spouse. Maybe your kids. Maybe your street. Maybe your workplace. You are influencers in a community, and God has called you to be a hope dealer. He's called you to bring influence of faith, hope, and love. But you can't operate if you're not operating out of the overflow. That's why it's so important. I know Jimmy Lick started the keys. Now I got to ask him to stop because I got to hear this song. Thank you. You're such a good sport. I know. Keeping me on track. You're looking at somebody and said, I told you so. Is that what it was? That was a look. Yeah, I told you so. That was good. Yeah, yeah. It was Chad Lakin's fault. It's Chad Lakin's fault. Thank you. You know what? You're really good at just standing there looking good. So just, yeah, yeah. Let's give it up, Jimmy Lick. I, I, listen, many people, and then we're going to listen to this song, but many people panic over finding a charger before their phone dies. But they don't panic when their dreams start to die and they haven't found a plan for their life yet. I need that same sort of how you feel when your phone's about to die and you need to call someone or text your spouse. That same sort of like feeling you're getting right now when I'm just talking about it because it's a real thing. That's what I need you to think if you're missing hope in your life. I want you to know something because I need to give you a tool. I'm a practical kind of guy because Wednesday, how many know I need some practicality? I need to bring some hope back because I felt discouraged in a moment and I didn't want to stay there. I'm going to tell you that I love testimonies. I love reading books that have it, but there's nothing better than scripture. A lot of books will give you knowledge, but there's only one book that brings transformation. Don't let your theology define what you see. Get, watch that on YouTube. That's Brandon Lake. Watch it on YouTube because miracles broke out. He had just written that song and he was performing it at his church, but it wasn't a performance. And then there was an encounter. People were getting healed. The pastor got up and it's on the video and starts declaring and prophesying. People are getting healed in the service. So they decided to add it to the album. Hence, it's getting, got released yesterday. I've been waiting for it because, man, we can't play it in church till it gets released. I literally stalked the guy on Instagram until he finally responded. I said, bro, if you're not going to release that song because I didn't know, I just need you to come do it at my church. He's like, all right, we can work that out. I'm like, good answer. You know, but it's like, <laughs> I didn't want to have to go up there. David writes in Psalms 42.5, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior. You got to understand that David, who slew Goliath, killed the bear, 
kill the lion. I'm thinking to myself, have any of you done that? I mean, this guy's discouraged. took down an entire army with one rock. And yet he's sitting here in Psalms saying, I'm discouraged. Why, Lord? He says, I choose to praise you. We're all going to face discouragement. What you do next matters. I've watched a lot of amazing people get taken out because they make the wrong choice. Mike Maiden say it. They just said, I didn't have any hope left. But God still worked a miracle in his life. It doesn't matter where you're at today, but it does matter what you think about today. It does matter what you be about today. It does matter what you deal tomorrow. This world will stay in chaos if you choose to not choose hope. There's a world that doesn't understand. They don't know the gospel. They didn't know that there's a savior that was sent to redeem mankind. They don't know. Some people don't want to know. They just are so dark and lost and in place, but you made it to church today. You found your way here. You fought and got here, so it doesn't matter what it's like going on the inside. You already got over a line. Now get under some good worship. Now get under some good teaching. You're never gonna hear that God thinks you're lame, that you messed up, that you're a sinner. You're all going to hell. You're not gonna hear that at Awaken. Now, do we believe in sin? Are we light on sin? No, 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 no. We're a discipleship church. We know that we all fall short, that we all trip up. We're going to pick you up and we're going to walk with you through it. We're not going to judge you. We might put up parameters. We might put up some, you know, discipleship measures that you might not like, but we got to help heal you. You know, when a dog has surgery, they put a collar on so the dog doesn't hurt itself. That's called pastoral care. Sometimes we got to help you so you don't hurt yourself. But we're going to give hope. We're going to speak life. We're going to set a bar of expectation, and we're not going to lower it for any of you. We're not judging you. We're loving you. And some people have never been loved that hard that they don't like it. And in a broken world, guess what? You got to know that we got to be the light. We got to be that hope dealership. Listen, I want you all to stand your feet. I'm just going to pray over you. Because I'm going to tell you, I was reading in that Carolyn Leafs book. And it talked about you can't just read someone a poem or prophesy and say, it's going to be okay. I know how you're feeling when you lose somebody. No, you don't. If you haven't lost somebody, you don't know how I'm feeling. If you've never walked in my shoes, how do you know? So don't say that. But you know what it says is powerful? One of the greatest verses, Jesus wept over his best friend, one of his great friends, Lazarus. said, Jesus wept. Here's the savior of the universe showing us that it's okay to grieve, that it's okay to weep. Jesus wept. It's so powerful because we think, why would that guy, why would the savior weep over his friend dying when he could raise him up, which he did. But he's saying it's okay to grieve. You know what else is powerful? That every cell resonates that the vibrational frequency resonates when you hold somebody, when you hug somebody and you don't say a word, but you let them sob in your shirt. You let them cry their face off and you hold them till they stop shaking. Do you know there's power in that? That restores hope. Science proves it. The Bible talks about it, but it's amazing. Teaching my kids this week, 
I was just telling my kids, Daddy's sad. I've never had that conversation. I got an eight, six, and two-year-old. Never said that before. But I needed them to know, hey, Daddy's sad. But I love you. I just need a hug. My kids have been hugging my face off. And then I had to use the example for my wife and my baby. She says, I see what you're doing. Trying to get that fourth one, aren't you? I said, no, I just want to hug. (laughs) Hugging's important. Let's not forget to hug our family members. Hug the people we love. It's okay to be vulnerable. I'm done with the Christianese. We got it all together. Done with it. We got to deal hope. We got to believe that there's a hope for tomorrow. If you don't believe in our country, let's just pray that God would change your unbelief and help you believe again in our country. That we can believe in our leaders or replace them to people we can believe in. That we can believe in church again. It's amazing. So many people are disenchanted with church, but now what you're saying is you're, just, you're disenchanted with the bride. You don't like, you don't like Jesus' bride. The church is his bride. We're not perfect, but guess what? Don't be talking smack about my bride. Let's bring hope back to the church. Let's be the change we want to see in the church. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for. There's a substance and an evidence of things not seen that we got to really, really press into. So many people don't even hold on to that. Just a couple things I'm going to pray over us. It's just, what role does the word of God play in your life? The devil isn't afraid of a believer that doesn't know the word of God. I'm going to tell you something. It's the person who has a Bible that's falling apart has a life that's not. Get in your word. Armor up. There's so many stories that will inspire hope. I even love Pastor Samuel Duke. I'm telling you, I've been a Christian a long time. I I still go through his following Jesus book just to break it down. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know what they always said? Never stop the fundamentals. Never stop the basics. Never stop. It's amazing. The first thing you'll do if you got your prayer language and then you just don't use it anymore, that's the first thing. The devil wants to get your tongue and silence you from praying in the spirit. I would rage against that. That's why the, you could go to any church, but the minute you start talking about praying in tongues, people get wacky. I was one of them. Totally judging all you tongue-speaking fire people. And until it happened to me. And then I was going, no wonder the enemy was trying to get me so manipulated in my mind that I didn't want to do that. It's amazing. Christians want to fight over that. No, no, no. We got to release each other into that and still hope into that. Men don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They reject the Bible because it contradicts them. I think it's really important to understand that. You never graduate from a Bible study until you meet the author. And I want to tell you, let's make sure we study it. But I want to pray over it because I think it's really important. 
want you to understand what evidence and substance looks like. So close your eyes and I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for everyone in this house. God, I thank you for an infusion of hope right now. God, we thank you. Hope now is infused in this congregation that there won't be one seat empty. God, that we believe in the message of the good news of Jesus. God, you didn't send your son to start another religion. God, you sent your son that we may find freedom and hope, that we can walk in everlasting life. God, that we can be of good cheer, that we can be bold, that we can be strong. God, we know that you're with us. God, that we keep up the faith, the faith of the good fight, that we endure till the end. God, I thank you that you're before us. God, that no plague can come against us. God, I thank you right now that you're bringing dreams back. Where the enemy has stole dreams from people in this congregation, you can live in San Diego and own a house. For those of you that are believing for a baby, you, you will hold that baby in your hand. You'll be holding that promise. You'll be holding that miracle. You put your name in the book of miracles. You come down anytime there's an altar call or ministry. When someone prophesies, you raise your hand. God, I'm thankful for everyone today that during that book of miracles, the Holy Spirit showed me, look, you have a church that believes. Every one of you that lifted your hand, you lifted it in faith because there was still hope on the inside that God could do it, that he'd see your hand, that other people would come around and be in agreement with you. That was a powerful statement during the book of miracles. Don't stop. Don't take yourself out. Don't listen to the haters, the naysayers, those that are trying to get you to not lift your hand. God is trying to stir faith and hope on the inside of you. He's revealing things to you. God, I thank you right now. Nothing is impossible to those that believe and are called according to the promises of you, God. God, I thank you right now. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you what you will do. God, we put our hope in you. God, we give you a shout of victory today. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.